Father, we thank you for the many wonderful things that you have done for us. For how good you are to us, for rescuing us from sin and death, and for the life that you lead us into. God, you are so worthy of praise. And we just confess to you that sometimes we do not recognize how worthy you are, and and we fail to give you the honor and glory that you deserve. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us now as we open your word to hear from you about what our lives should look like because of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in week two of our four-week psalm series. Every year since I've been here at Cornerstone, we've had a psalm series around Thanksgiving. To me, Thanksgiving is more of a a season, like kind of a month-long season than just a day. Maybe it's because I like to eat all the food and that gives me an excuse to have more pie. but, uh, But really, it's actually more spiritual than that. I think that giving thanks to God is one of the best things that we can do in our walk with Him. So we do this psalm series every year as kind of an annual reminder And I like to think of it as a checkup for our heart. Now, we should be praising God all year long, so it's not just that we praise God for one month, but the idea is that we're we're looking at our hearts. We're asking ourselves the question, how are we doing? How are we doing in our walk with God? Are we flying high in our walk with God? Or does it maybe feel like we've veered a little bit off track or wandered into the darkness a little bit? It's all too easy for us to get off track. I think that everybody in this room understands that there can be times or seasons in our lives where we're not doing as well in our walk with God as we would like to be. And I think that if I were to ask you all here in an individual conversation, would you like to be walking with God today and next week and 30 years from now if the Lord permits you to live that long? Would you like to be walking with Him still? Every one of us would say, yeah, I would like to do that. But we also all know how life creeps in and sometimes things don't go the way that we want it to and that can cause us or we let it the the result is that sometimes our hearts get further away from God than they should and I believe that one of the best correctives for that is to thank God to praise him thankfulness is key in our walk with him that's why we do this psalm series that's why I'm going to be preaching from Psalm 95 today I want to remind you that thankfulness is key in our walk with God so what I want to do today is I want to act as your worship coach. We're we're talking about worship, and I'll give you, my my definition of worship today is understanding who God is and living accordingly. So that's anything that we do then, as we're doing in light of who God is, and we're doing it to give Him glory, that's worship. And I want to act as your worship coach today. And I'm, I'm qualified to be your coach because I am now also a kindergarten basketball coach. So, uh, or as Christine calls me, the chief ball chaser. Uh, I, I'm the assistant coach in the kindergarten basketball program here, the backcourt club. There are 38 kindergartners in that class, uh, including Johnny and Josiah in that class. So they're doing great. Um, we're trying to teach kids the basics, things like dribbling and passing and shooting. And, and some of the kids came in, and obviously their parents had been coaching them on some things, but other kids came in, and they, had, they barely knew what a basketball was. So we're, we're taking these kids from wherever they're at, and we're just teaching them the basics of basketball, the things that they will need to learn if they're going to continue on in basketball. Uh, now, like I said, some of them already knew some things, and, and they... You know, some of them really just need some reminders, or even for me just to say, good job, you're doing great. But others of them, I need to come alongside them and say, no, 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 we don't hold the ball like that. We hold the ball like this. And, uh, we don't cry when things go bad, and there, there's a few of those. But 
My job is just to kind of point them in the right direction, give them a few pointers and, and, and be there for them. And today what I want to do is just kind of function as your worship coach. So whether things are going really great for you in your walk with God and you just need a reminder, or whether things maybe aren't going so well and you need some correction, I just want to give you a couple of tips about what our walk with God should look like as we seek to worship Him for who He is. So we're going to look at Psalm 95, and I'm going to give you two tips from Psalm 95. We're going to break it into two sections. And I want to read for you the first section now. Psalm 95, verses 1 to 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. My big idea for today is that we need to remind ourselves and each other to worship God. It's something that we need to do for ourselves, just speaking in our, to ourselves, and sometimes it's good just to talk to our own souls and say, hey, remember to worship God. And, and collectively, we need to be doing that as well, talking to each other, reminding each other to worship God, because we humans were created to have a relationship with God, and He is the one who is eternally worthy of praise. So as we live out our lives as worshipers, we're actually living out what we were created for. And like I said, when we contemplate who God is, when we gaze on His beauty and spend time in His presence and then live our lives accordingly, that's worship. So like I said, in Psalm 95, there's two tips for how to worship God. And the first one is simply this. We are to praise God. We're to praise God. Now I'm making a slight distinction here between the words worship and praise. Worship is kind of that all-encompassing, anything that we do to bring honor and glory to God. But praise, what we're talking about specifically in point number one here, is what we do with our mouths. Or we'll, we'll see one other body part that we can praise God with as well later on in this section. But we're talking about worshiping God by speaking to Him, by, by doing things with our bodies specifically to praise Him. The psalm starts out in verse 1 by telling us to sing for joy to the Lord. And I love this word, sing for joy. It's one of my favorite Hebrew words. This is the verbal form of it. And it's, it's a word that reminds us that, that God is glorious. And when our hearts catch a glimpse of Him, the result in our souls should be to, to sing for joy to Him. There, there should be this just kind of outpouring in our lives. Even as we come here on Sunday morning, there should be this sense of, oh yeah, I love God and I want to praise Him. And that's what it's urging us to do here in verse 1. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Now, believe me, I understand that some of you may not be comfortable with singing. Uh, that's, I certainly have memories from my life of being in church and not wanting to sing, of wondering if the people around me were going to hear me, or you know, trying to mouth the words and not say anything and see if my parents would notice. Or, uh, I also remember being in a high school class singing one time, and after the song, one of my friends said to me, how come when you sing, you don't use different notes? <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's why we turn my microphone off when I sing uh, here. But. but the point here is not how well you sing. Praise the Lord for that, right, for some of us. Uh, 
and some of you have beautiful voices and you can praise the Lord by using those voices but for the rest of us we can make a joyful noise to the Lord and even if it's just one note that we can hit we can sing that joyfully to the Lord He is worthy of our praise He created us to give Him that praise and that's as we do that we live out our function as human beings now after the sermon, you, you may have noticed that before the sermon we only sang three songs. Usually we sing five or six songs before the sermon. The reason is we're going to have a little extended time of worship after the sermon. We're going to sing three songs afterwards. And one of the songs that we're going to sing is called Sing for Joy. And it's from this verse here. The idea, I, And I'm going to kind of be your worship coach like I said today. There, there's three songs we're going to sing. All of them come from this psalm. And we're just going to sing back to God what he has told us to sing. So one of them will be Sing for Joy. <coughs> Verse 2 says, Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. It, it said already in verse 1 that we are to shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. That word shout, is, it actually means shout. There's an out loud sort of thing that we're supposed to do, an exuberant joyfulness that we are supposed to do as we're singing to God. Now I also realize being Scandinavian like many of you are that that's a little bit uncomfortable for us to, to raise our voices even in church. No. Many of us were taught to be quiet in church but actually we're, we're supposed to shout to the Lord. That's one of the songs that we're going to sing after the sermon too is shout to the Lord because we're supposed to the, the idea is that as we understand who God is there should be something that wells up within us and says yes it is good and right for me to praise God. Now I want you to notice something. We've, we've kind of looked at verses 1 and 2 so far. Notice who verses 1 and 2 are directed towards. Oftentimes when we think of the Psalms, we think of them as being praise songs to God. And, and certainly many of them are singing, Oh God, how, how wonderful you are. But you notice these verses? They're actually spoken. The, the psalmist is speaking them to other worshipers. He's trying to remind other worshipers to worship God. And actually that's pretty common in the Psalms for that to happen. The author of Psalm 95 is giving commands for us to worship God. And again, the reason that I believe that he does this is because worship is good for our souls. One of the first things to go, we looked at this in the book of Romans a couple of weeks ago when I spoke on sexuality. Remember the beginning of that passage? It told us where the first misstep was. And it says that they neither glorified God nor gave thanks to him. And the result was it led into a bunch of I think it was 23 different sins that were listed in that passage. The reminder here is that one of the very first things to go wrong in our walk with God is when we stop thanking Him, when we stop worshiping Him. So if you're in a place in life and you're thinking, you're kind of saying, something feels off, I think that probably one of the things that's off is that you have not been thanking God the way that you should. At least that's what I've noticed in my life. When, when things start to not feel right, I can look back and say, I, I haven't been thanking God the way that I should. So I see that then as a corrective. If we're in that place where we're feeling off, one of the things that we can do is go to God and thank Him, even if we're going through something difficult, and maybe especially if we're going through something difficult. God knows what we're going through. He's, he's not any less sovereign now than He was three months ago when things were going better for you. He is still worthy of praise. And, and it's good for our souls to remember that as we go through those times. Okay. 
Why should we worship God? The psalmist has just commanded us to worship God. Why should we worship him? Well, verses 3 through 5 give us a bunch of reasons. One of them is because the Lord is the great God. And really, we know from the rest of the Bible, he's the only God. He's the supreme being. He's the maker of the heavens and the earth. And, and it says very clearly in here, he is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the one who is sovereign. So those are things that, if you're wondering, well, what do I praise God for? Well, there you go. There's a bunch of things that you can praise God for. The fact that he made the heavens and the earth and that he is still in control of them. And I know for some of you, that's a, a really big deal, looking at God's creation. And this is a very good thing. Some of you are just kind of wired to, to go out into nature and, and to look at the, the beauty of a sunset or of a, a field or, or something, and, and you look at it and say, wow, look what God has done. He indeed is worthy to be praised. Or if you, you look at a baby or you, you look at the stars, we're just supposed to know that God is the creator and as such, he is worthy of praise. And a couple other things in here. He's the rock of our salvation. He, he sustains everything, like I've already said. For all those reasons, God is worthy to be praised, and we should praise him. Then we get to verses 6 and 7. I want to reread them for you. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Some of you might be singing the tune along with that already, and we're going to sing that song as well when we're done. But here we're given another another tip on how to praise God. So we're still on point number one here, and I've mentioned to you already how we can sing out loud, how we can shout to the Lord, but there's that other body part that I was alluding to before that we can praise God with. It's with our knees. Two of the words in verse six imply bowing down, a, a physical bowing down on our knees to worship God. Bowing before God is a really great way for for us to show with our body position that we're submitting to God as king. The theologian Michael Wilcox said, As the body is bowed, so should the mind and the will be bowed in submission to him, to God. So we can and we should worship the Lord with our mouths, with what we say, but sometimes also we should just worship God by getting down on our knees. And I'm not saying you have to do that here in the worship service, so that's okay. I know you Scandinavians don't like doing that. We don't like public shows of emotion, but, but sometimes it's good, maybe just in the privacy of your own bedroom, sometimes to just get down on your knees and praise God. And verses 6 to 7 give us some more reasons why God is worthy of worship. He's the one who made us and takes care of us. The word picture here is of shepherding. Now, I'm, I'm not a shepherd in the, uh, the physical sense of shepherding sheep, so I don't know all that much about them, but I do know that sheep are needy animals. That's one of the things that we recognize in our relationship with God is that we're the needy ones and that he takes care of us. But I was kind of trying to think of a, a different analogy that might help us understand the, the shepherding analogy. And I was thinking, I want you all to picture a time when you were sick and somebody else had to take care of you. Maybe you want to think about a time when you were young and you had to stay home from school because you weren't feeling well. So I was thinking of one of those times, you know, maybe in second grade or so, when I wake up and I'm just not feeling well. It's not really fun not to feel well, but then your parents say, okay, you can stay home from school. And I go, oh, okay, I don't mind that. I get to stay home and lie on the couch. And, and for me, it was, I remember watching Woody Woodpecker when I was sick. I don't know if any of you remember that cartoon, but that's the one that I remember watching. But then I also remember my mom making me chicken noodle soup when I was sick. <laughs> just 
you know, for some reason, chicken noodle soup just tastes really good when you're sick. And, and I, I just remember my mom taking care of me. And, you know, she couldn't make my sickness go away, but she could give me what I needed in order to make it through the day. And I think that that's the picture of, of God taking care of us. He knows our needs. We are, we're actually far more needy than we might realize. And, and God is the one who takes care of us. He's our shepherd. And this is actually, to me, one of, the, one of the important things that we learn from this psalm is that God is the God who knows about and takes care of our greatest needs. I think that sometimes we go through this life and, and things start to go the way that we don't want them to go, and we, it's all too easy for us to question God, saying, God, why would you let it happen this way? When actually what we see, the picture from Scripture, is that God is right there with us in the midst of it and that he cares about every single thing that we're going through. That's who God is, and that's one of the reasons that he is worthy of praise. So if you're going through one of those times now where, where stuff is going on in your life that you don't want to be going on in your life, I want you to remember that God is worthy to be praised. And, and I know that it's possible for us to get to this point where even on a Sunday morning, the time that we set aside to come and worship God, even on Sunday mornings there's times where we don't feel like praising God. But is God worthy of worship? Even when we don't feel like it, is God worthy of worship? Has God stopped taking care of us? Has God stopped being sovereign? No, the problem is that sometimes our hearts just kind of lose focus. And again, that's why I'm talking about Thanksgiving, not just today, but for the next couple weeks as well, because Thanksgiving is one of the ways to get our hearts back on the right track. God is worthy of worship. And, and these verses, verses 6 to 7, talk about this personal connection that we have with the God who made us, loves us, and takes care of us. And he is very worthy of worship. Now, just walk through verses 1 through 7. I want to take some time now to apply verses 1 to 7. For many of you, perhaps, where you're coming from right now, is perhaps that you know that God is worthy of worship, but maybe it, your experience of worship hasn't been what it should be. Maybe you haven't been putting the time or effort into worshiping God that you should. Do you shout aloud to the Lord? Do you sing for joy to Him? Do you take that time in your daily life? Think about the last week. So from last Sunday until today, when in the last week did you take time to stop and worship God? I think that for some reason we get into this mentality sometimes of, oh, it, it'll just happen. You know, I'll, I'll just end up worshiping God somewhere along the line. But if that's our mentality, too often it won't. And, and I think that all of us would probably say as we look back at our last week that, oh yeah, maybe I should have spent more time worshiping God. Just praising Him for who He is. Whether that means just sitting down with the Bible and thanking God as you read what, what He's written, or you turn on Christian music and, and start singing along to it, or, or even in a, just a quiet time of prayer, just stopping to tell God you're grateful for who He is. I, I think that most of us could probably stand to do that more. And it would be so good for our souls if we did. Maybe that can even be part of your, your daily quiet time routine that you do. Not just the time that you spend reading the Bible, but the time that you spend intentionally thanking God and praising Him for who He is. Now, there's no magic formula, and it's not about the words we say, and it's not about our body position even. It's about our hearts 
praising God. So do you do that regularly? As I've been saying, this is one of the things that, that can help keep us on track. We were created to be worshipers of God. And if we stop worshiping God, it's inevitable that we're going to start worshiping something else. And usually, it, at least in America, the, the temptation is for us to worship ourselves, for us to think about the things that we want and pursue the things that we want. And what are we doing then? We're, we're giving offerings to the God of self when we do that. So it's good for us to, to stop focusing on ourselves and to turn our attention to God and worship Him. I want us to be worshipers of God. I, I want that so deeply for us that, that I named uh, my two daughters after characters in the Bible who were described as worshipers. Lydia in Acts 16 was described as a worshiper of God. And Anna in Luke 2, it says of her that she worshiped night and day. I, I want all of us to be people who worship God as a pattern of life. And one of the ways that we can do that is by praising Him, by taking that time, that intentional effort to use our mouths and our bodies to praise God. So that's, that's my first tip for you. As, as we're reminding each other here and reminding ourselves to worship God, the first tip is to praise Him. The second tip comes from the end of verse 7 through 11, and I'll read those for you. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So my second tip for you today is that we are to worship God by listening to his word. By listening to his word. Now it's interesting, in Psalm 95, many theologians over the years have failed to see the connection between the first half and the second half of Psalm 95. In fact, some theologians have even suggested that the second half doesn't belong because it's just so different than the first half. But I think that they have missed out on a very important connection here. Because remember, worship is anything that we do to live our lives according to who God is. Now, praising is obviously something that we can do, but there's another act of worship that we can do with our ears and with our souls, with our minds, is to listen to and obey God's word. <coughs> the writer of Psalm 95 gives us a history lesson to help explain this here. So, and, and one of the reasons I'm preaching this psalm is because I preached on Exodus back in January through March. So we're going to give a little uh, recap of that sermon series there. Just a quick history lesson here. God did many miracles. Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. God did many miracles, the ten plagues and the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea to bring his people out of slavery. And his intention was to bring them into the promised land. But we know what happened there on their way out. They had just seen God do these wonderful works, but three days after the miracle of the Red Sea, the Israelites started grumbling. Can you believe that? Three days after perhaps the most amazing miracle in the whole Old Testament the Israelites started to say, hey, hey God, are you going to take care of us? God, we're, we're thirsty. And, and it says in Exodus 17 that the Israelites put the Lord to the test. The same God who miraculously spread open the Red Sea, now they're starting to say, um, I'm a little bit thirsty, God, and I'm not sure that you can take care of me. So I'm just going to whine about it instead of trusting you. That's what the Israelites did. It, 
It was three days after the Red Sea they started grumbling, and, and then a little bit after that, God led them. Remember how God was leading them too, as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. God was leading them, and he led them into this desert to a place where it didn't look like there was all that much water for them. And instead of trusting in God, they complained. Now the problem wasn't a lack of water or that God didn't care. God already knew exactly what he was going to do. God directed Moses to go to a rock. Moses struck it and plenty of water gushed out for the whole community. See, the problem was that the people didn't trust God. He was clearly leading them. And they didn't take him at his word. So Moses named that place Massa, which means testing. They tested God. And he also named it Meribah, which means quarreling or striving against God. At Massa and Meribah, the Israelites called God's shepherding into question. Did he really care for them? The Israelites hardened their hearts against God, and God was not pleased. And the result of Israel's unfaithfulness, not just there, but other places as well, was that God said to them, okay, I'm not going to let you into the promised land. So for 40 years, the Israelites wandered around in between Egypt and the promised land because God wouldn't let them in. It was only after 40 years, after all but two of them died, that he finally let them in. Now, I think we're supposed to ask the question, what should have the Israelites done? God led them out, did the miracles, Now he led them into the desert where it didn't look to be much water. What should have they done there? I think they should have stopped and thanked God, recognized him as still the sovereign one in control. But you see, our human condition is such that we tend to want what we want right now, and if we don't get it, we whine or we complain. And we don't realize we're putting God to the test when we do it. They should have thanked God for his faithfulness and trusted him to provide. Okay, so that's the history lesson there. What's the point of this history lesson? Well, the point is that the same thing that happened to those Israelites back then is the same thing that can happen to us today. Notice how this started out here, the part I read, today, if you hear his voice. That today is today. Derek Kidner says that the the you in here is you, and the today is today. And the rest that it talks about there is the rest of eternal salvation. So the, this psalm is spoken to us again. The if you hear his voice is spoken to you. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Listen to him. We are to remind each other, rebuke each other if need be, but certainly to encourage each other to listen to the voice of God. Hebrews three twelve and 13, it's talking about that same time in Israelite history uh, after the Exodus. It says it this way. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by by sin's deceitfulness. The danger of not trusting in God's goodness or in God's word is still a danger today. The solution is for us to have soft hearts towards the word of God. Is your heart soft before the Lord? Again, maybe you feel like you're in a time in your life where you're wandering around a little bit, where you feel like there's a promised land out there, but you're not there right now. You're not where you want to be. The question I have for you in that place is your heart soft towards God. Are you willing to trust Him and praise Him for who He is even right now in the midst of this difficult time? And are you willing 
to listen to his voice and he might be telling you something that maybe you hadn't wanted to hear. I, I really think that this history lesson applies so deeply to us today. Now, I want to walk through it again with you, showing how what happened there can happen for us. Okay, God knew how to get water for the Israelites. He also knew how to get them into the promised land. He had already done magnificent things to rescue them and to bring them to the place where he wanted them to be. And and it's similar for us. God has already done magnificent things to save us, the, the greatest of which being, of course, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that any of us who puts our faith in him can have complete forgiveness of our sins, eternal life, and a relationship with him right now that can last for the rest of eternity. God has already prepared the way for all of that to happen. The problem is that we sometimes forget how good we have it and we grumble against God. We forget that these trials that come along our way are things that God has allowed. One theologian, I'm just going to paraphrase him, he said, the, the road to the promised land almost always leads through places where we will be tempted to strive against God. So how's your heart doing right now? Are you rejoicing in who God is and what he's doing for you? Or are you in one of those places where you're tempted to strive against God and to say, God, I'm not sure that this is a good place. I just want you to analyze your heart. And I I want myself, I, I want that for me too. For us all to be in this place where we say, God, you are more worthy to be praised than I even know right now. But I want to praise you anyways and I want to listen to you. The story of the Bible is that God wants to bring us into the promised land. He leads us. He led by a a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day in Exodus. He leads us today through the Holy Spirit, through His Word, and we need to listen to His voice. But sometimes our lives don't line up with the way that it feels like it should be going. And in those times especially, we need to remind ourselves to submit to the voice of God take him at his word. Remember, he, he made us. He takes care of us. He loves us. He wants to guide us into an abundant life. So instead of striving against God, what we should do is what the writer in Hebrews said in 4.11. He says, let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. And in the next verse, he talks about the word of God being living and active. If we want to be in that place where we're experiencing that kind of rest, uh, and, and that's kind of one of those already not yet sort of things. We, we wait in the future for that eternal rest that we'll have. But, but I think that God also wants to bring a rest to our souls right now as we trust him in whatever it is that we're going through, as we submit to him and listen to his word. So there's an important heart issue that I want you to get here. When things aren't going right for us, we start to quarrel against God. And the result is that things start to feel off in our relationship with Him. And why would that be? Why would things start to feel off in our relationship with God? Because they are off. Praise the Lord that God gives us that that inner sense of just knowing that something isn't right. And if you're there right now, I just want you to investigate that. What's going on in your heart that would make you not right with God? And as you do that, just remember to thank God and praise Him for who He is. But here's the thing. We need to train ourselves constantly to be thinking like that. 
If we're not training ourselves to listen to God's voice and to submit to His Word, when those difficult times come, we won't have that anchor. We, we won't know what to do. So again, if I can go back to the basketball analogy, you know, I'm, I'm teaching kindergartners how to shoot. And it's interesting, you know, some of them, you, you give them the ball and they just kind of grab it with two hands and just kind of throw it up there. And they're like, no, 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 okay. So I try to get down on their level and say, you know, you put the ball here, they are... The, the new way of teaching people to do it is the, there's an acronym called BEEF. I, I'd never heard this one before, but it's like, they tell you it's like you're putting a hamburger on your hand and then each of the letters of BEEF stands for something and you're supposed to follow through at the end. Trying to teach them how to do that. But I want you to picture one of these kids in kindergarten. Uh, there, there's some of them that don't exactly like to listen to everything that the coaches say. And I can see some of you practicing right now, too. This is good. We can have a shooting lesson later if you want. But... Um, some of the kids don't always like to listen to what we have to say. And I want you to picture one of those kids, you know, keeps on with basketball but never listens to their coach. And let's say they're a sixth grader and never, ever listen to the coach to how to shoot. And then all of a sudden they're playing a game and they get fouled and they go to the free throw line and they're standing at the free throw line and this kind of, this wave of shock comes over them like, oh no, what do I do? And, and they look over to the coach and say, coach, how do I shoot a free throw? Well, if I'm that coach, I'm going to be thinking, too late. If you haven't been putting the time in, you know, I, I was trying to teach you six years ago how to shoot a free throw, but you wouldn't listen to me. I think it's kind of like that with God's Word. That we need to be building this pattern into our lives of submitting ourselves to God by listening to His Word, by opening our Bibles and listening to His voice, by letting the Holy Spirit fill us as we interact with God's Word. We need to have soft hearts and submit. So the application here, as we look at verses 7 through 11, the application isn't merely that we would read God's Word, although that's a big part of it. The application is that we would submit to God's Word and apply it to our lives. See, we should read it, but we shouldn't just read it. We should interact with it. If, if our only goal is to read it, we can easily fall into legalism, where we have our to-do list for the day, and one of the things on there is to read the Bible, and we check that thing off, we can do that without meeting with God. It's, in some ways, it's just ink on paper. But in a deeper way, it is the living Word of God, and we're meant to not just read it, but to interact with it, to humble ourselves before it. And in that sense, even memorizing the Bible, which I think is a wonderful thing to do, it's not just simply about the physical act of memorizing it and, and stuffing that knowledge into our brains. It's about interacting with the God who wants to lead us into what's right. So do you do that? When you read the Bible, are you interacting with God? Are you in prayer saying, God, what would you teach me? What would you have me learn today? Are you submitting yourself to the God who wrote this, this word for you? Are you praying as you read it? Are you taking the time to consider how to apply it? Those should be regular things that we're doing as we read God's word building that pattern of submitting to him and listening to him. Then here's my conclusion. Praising God and listening to his word are indispensable. Praising God, and what I mean there is that, that out loudness, that, that speaking thanks to him, and listening to God's voice are indispensable. If I were to come up with with a short list of the things that we must be doing in our walk with the Lord, these two things would absolutely be on there. Praising Him and listening to His Word. So do you praise Him? Do you take that time throughout your days to just stop and thank God for who He is? 
Remember, thankfulness is key in our relationship with God. If you want to make sure that today and tomorrow and for the next 30 years, 80 years of your life that you're walking with God, I urge you to remember to thank Him often. It's part of your your daily life. And then that other tip, listening to the Word of God. Praise the Lord, we have His Word at our fingertips. The Bible is such a gift to us. And it's sad to me to think of how many homes in America the Bible is just something that collects dust or takes up space on a bookshelf. The Bible is the Word of God so that we can submit to Him and live the lives that He's called us to live. And I hope and pray that we are people who are committed not just to reading it, but to interacting with God through it, submitting our lives to Him. Then as we get to know God more and more, as we understand who He is and as we live our lives accordingly, that is worship. And we need to remind ourselves and each other to continue to worship God. So let's be people who praise Him and listen to His voice. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You that You have taught us how to live. Thank You that You have made known the way of salvation for us that we, we don't just have to wallow in our sins so that we won't have to face eternal con- condemnation. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we have forgiveness and we praise you for that. And we also know that because of the fact that you save us, you also lead us into a new life. And in that new life, God, I pray that we would remember that you are worthy of praise. And I pray that we would regularly and intently listen to your voice, that we would have soft hearts. God, would you show us, even right now as we're praying, one or two things that we can, we can do in our lives to remind ourselves to praise you and to listen to your voice. God, I pray that, that you would keep us on the right track and that we would, by faith, make the decisions that we need to make to praise you and to listen to your voice. For you are worthy of praise, and I pray that we would worship and glorify you all our days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.